thanks. It's great to be here. This, I have been dreaming about this day since long before you started as a church. This is something that Tim and I talked about years ago. And so to be here, I was here the first weekend that you all started. Uh, and so to, to have a chance, Tim is in Australia. I'm sure you already know that. I talked to him last night and he, he stopped just short. He said, I'm really excited that, that you're at Embassy this weekend, but he stopped just short of saying, I really wish I were there this weekend and you weren't there. He's that ready to be home. So uh, I think they get home tonight and I know he is really, really fired up about being back next weekend. Uh, I, I wanna kind of explain what we're gonna do this morning and where I, I feel like we're gonna go. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, you preach, sometimes you teach, and sometimes you just deliver the mail. Uh, there's a difference between all three. Uh, I'm not going to get you all riled up today. I'm not going to teach you how to do something you don't know how to do. Here's what I feel like my assignment is today, to deliver the mail. It doesn't mean that I know something you don't know. It simply means, as I was getting ready uh, to speak this weekend and preparing and praying, it got very obvious to me that there were some things that I feel the Lord wanted to say to Embassy City as a church where you are right now. Now, one of the benefits of, of uh, getting to be a little bit ahead as far age-wise in church planning uh, is I have a different perspective about where you are right now than you probably do. Uh, we started three and a half years ago out in Scottsdale. Uh, I was at Gateway for almost 13 years. We moved out to Scottsdale. We started with 70 people which is just a few less than you had your first weekend, uh, like a tenth of what you had your first weekend. Uh, and it took us a year, a year to get to about 150. Uh, it was some of the hardest work I've ever done in my entire life. And I learned some things that no school in the world could have taught me. And one of the fun parts about uh, being best friends with Tim, uh, God put us in similar lanes He's a little bit older than me. Now, I say that to you. To him, I say he's a lot older than me, okay? Uh, but getting to be about three years ahead stage-wise, age-wise, uh, but not really size-wise and stage-wise, uh, it provides a different perspective. And so I, I want to share some things with you that might help you see what God is doing in a little bit of a different way. And I want to share a couple of things I feel like uh, I sense the Lord is saying to you as a church. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to a couple of spots. Uh, and how awesome is it that we don't have a projector right now? Can I just say that? And you want to know why it's so awesome? Here's what's so awesome about church planting. Nothing ever goes the way it's supposed to. <laughs> ever. It never goes the way it's supposed to. And if Tim were here, I know it would probably be frustrating him. There's no projector. But I want you to see it from God's perspective. Okay? I want you to think about how romantic it is the projector went out today. I want you to think about this. You came in with no words on the screen. I didn't know every song, but I still knew the king was in the room. And I want you to think about this. Rather than checking out and saying, well, there's no projector and I don't know the words, so I'm not really going to enter in today. There was a moment in worship towards the end. And I promise everyone in the room could sense it. Where it didn't matter if there were words on the screen or not, the king stood up and we all bowed down. And I want you to see it from the Lord's perspective. Wait, 
You, you mean all that matters to you is that I'm in the room? It doesn't matter if there are moving lights. It doesn't matter if there's words on the screen. So the next time something doesn't go the way that it's supposed to, you need to see it the way God does. It's just a way to say, hey, I don't care about all that stuff. Are you here, Lord? Yes. It's all I care about. It's all I care about. It's not an excuse not to be excellent, but it is a reminder that when things don't quite go the way we hope they do, it still doesn't matter. And that's really what I want to do today is tweak your perspective a little bit about where you are and where this church is. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to a couple different spots. I'll read them to you since there's nothing on the screen. Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to ask you to turn to three spots. So some of you are going to have to like put your fingers in the dam and just, you know, kind of slide your finger in and hold it there. Joshua chapter 3 and Deuteronomy chapter 8. You don't have to turn to all of them. We're going to end up in those three spots. The title of today's message is Right Here, Right Now. Right here, right now. I want to share with you three things that I sense the Lord is saying to this church right here, right now. And here's the first thing. Plow the ground he's already given you. Plow the ground he's already given you. I'm going to make a statement that most people tend to get excited about. In the year 2016, God wants to do some seriously big things through Embassy City Church. God wants to do some new things. When we hear someone say, God is going to do big things this year, God's going to do new things this year, we get all riled up. We want to shout, we want to scream, we get excited about new and bigger things until we see the size of the plow we're going to have to push to clear the field before the harvest. Everybody gets excited when we say, God's going to do big things until God brings out the big plow and says, now start pushing. And here's what happens. Many of us spiritually have come to see plowing as a curse or punishment from the Lord without even realizing it. See, some of us take the, the posture, plowing is for people who just got saved. And those of us who've been saved for a long time, we're more like spiritual management. <laughs> I, I don't plow anymore. Well, then you don't harvest anymore. I hope you never say I don't plow anymore because that's the last thing you'll say before God says, then you don't harvest anymore. There's no such thing as a prepackaged harvest. But see, listen, and we see plowing as though it were disciplined from the Lord. Listen, the Bible says God disciplines those that he loves. Let me say this. If discipline is for those he loves, plowing is for those he trusts. Stop seeing plowing as a curse. Plowing is a part of God's process of preparation. And if you want to know where Embassy City Church is right here, right now, you're in the plowing phase. You're in the plowing phase. Now listen, some people stay away from churches in the plowing phase because they don't want to plow. That's okay. We're not going to judge, but we're also not going to stop plowing. You hear people say, I hate to plow. I just, I hate the plowing phase. I, I love to sow. I'm a sower. 
I hate to plow. I love to harvest. I love to sow. Well, you better fall in love with plowing. L- listen, we, we look at this year and, and we say things like, I want this year to be the year of the harvest. I think at the same time, God stands over us and says, I just hope this is the year of the plow. Because however much you plow, that's how much I'm going to respond with the harvest. Plowing is not a curse. Plowing is a part of God's process for preparing the field for what he wants to use it for. I I remember one time I was talking to a man who was planning on leaving his wife. And, you know, this whole idea of, you know, plowing just takes forever. and, And the longer I have to plow, it just shows how hard the ground is. That's ridiculous. The longer you plow, the larger the field. I was talking to this guy, and he said, I'm leaving my wife for another woman. I said, there's been no abuse and no adultery. What's your reason? And just very matter-of-factly, he said, she's just too much work. It's just too hard living with her, and it's so much easier living with this other woman. What this man didn't realize was he was indicting himself and this wrong relationship. Of course it's easier to live with her. She's a small field. (laughs) Of course it's harder to live with your wife. She's a big field. And you're going to spend the rest of your life plowing that field and reaping the benefits and the harvest because of it. Stop trying to tap out and find the smallest field to plow. Listen, you should get excited. The more God asks you to plow, the more he trusts you with the bigger harvest. If you want to know where this church is right now, you are in the middle of row number one. And let me explain how row number one goes. And I got so frustrated in row number one when we first started. In biblical times, and even to this day, When a person plows, and they didn't have GPS and all that stuff, you know, now they can make pretty designs when they plow, you know. But back then, here's how they would plow. They would get into the field, they would start in a spot, and they would look off in a distance at a tree. And they would mark that spot. And they would start their line, they would find the tree. They would line up with the tree, and they would start little by little, Constantly looking at the tree, looking at the ground, looking at the tree, looking at the ground. And the first row takes forever. It takes forever because you're looking at the tree as much as you are the ground. But here's one of the things you have to know, and let this encourage you if you're plowing in some area of your life and you're sick and tired of being in row number one. Here's the reason row number one takes so long. Because every row after runs parallel to the first. If you want to know why row number one is taking some time here at Embassy City Church, let me tell you why. And let me tell you why it's good news. Because every row after number one runs parallel to the first. Do you know you could have a senior pastor who was hell-bent on just making sure there were a bunch of people in this room? And he could drum up a bunch of excitement and get people all riled up And listen, you want to know what that row looks like? It's what row number one looks like. And here's what's scary 
when row number one looks like that? Row number two is going to freak you out. (laughs) I would rather have a methodical, slow-moving plower than somebody who was racing to get to the end of row number one, creating catastrophe along the way. Row number one takes some time. Let me show you in Galatians chapter six why if you're plowing, you should slow your roll just a little bit. Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not, verse 9, I think is speaking of plowing, the plowing season. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The bigger fields always require more work. And sometimes... We start listening to the voice of the enemy who gets us to look around at other people's fields and gets us convinced that they're not plowing anymore and they're sipping cocktails with umbrellas in the top and we have our hand on the plow. Listen, who cares what anybody else is doing? Stop looking at other people's fields and other people's seasons, comparing them to yours and expecting yours to turn out like theirs. God didn't ask you to plow their field. He put the plow in your hands to plow your field. And God placed you here. And this church is plowing. Everybody wants to talk about taking ground, but nobody wants to plow it. How do you take ground? Listen, if you don't have a real estate sign that has your name on it to tell people you bought the land, how do you let them know it's yours? You stay in the field and plow it 24 hours a day. How do they know it's yours? You refuse to leave it. Here's here's some good news. Not every field in your life is in the same season. The season at work is not the same season at home. That's good news. But let me give you just a little uh, word of caution. Don't always look for the field that's in the harvest season. Get excited about the field that is in the plowing season. Let me show you a scripture why this is so important, okay? Psalm chapter 65, verse 10. This is speaking of God. You drench the plowed ground with rain. You drench the plowed ground with rain. Isn't it amazing? We talk about God make it rain. Lord, rain, rain on us. And we just read what the Bible says he does in response to plowing, he makes it rain. God make it rain. His response, you make it plow. You make that plow move, Preston. I'll make it rain. You make, you go plow. But son, I'm not making it rain until you plow. In your marriage, 
some of us think the moment we got married was the moment we moved from the plowing phase into the harvest phase. Doesn't quite work like that. The day you say I do is actually the first day you really start plowing. This church is in the season of plowing. And you're going to step into a harvest that's beyond anything you can wrap your mind around. And when years from now people ask why, why did this happen? Here's the answer you need to provide. Only God, only God could do this. But this is God's response to a lot of faithful people's plowing. I, I want you to know something. And let's just be real for a second, okay? Not that I'm being fake, but let's get really real for a second, okay? Here's one of the things I learned uh, in the first three and a half years of church planning. We spent the first 20 months in a temporary facility just like this. It was, it was the Scottsdale Center for the Performing Arts. It was beautiful. And it was getting time for us to move into a, a more permanent space. And the space that we found, six other churches had met in it, and all of them went out of business. That just tells you how awesome the facility was. <laughs> and I remember saying to the Lord, I am not going there. We are not going from the Scottsdale Center for the, for the, for the Performing Arts to this place. Lord, this is a rat hole. There's no way. We can't do this. I'm not meeting there. How many of you know when you make a statement like, I'm not, God says, I am? Well, that's where we meet now. We know who won that battle. And here's what's funny. We moved into that building. Now, remember, we are in the Scottsdale Center for the Performing Arts, one of the most beautiful buildings in the city of Scottsdale. 20 months it took us to get to 260 people, okay? We move into the building I don't want to go into, okay? We quadruple in 12 months. Here's what I learned. People would rather have a grungy apartment they can call home than rent somebody else's house and have to move out every Sunday. Now, I want you to think about this, because here's something I noticed. Because I asked the Lord, why, why did we quadruple? I mean, we didn't change anything. We didn't change one thing except the location. And here's what it was. A lot of people in the plowing phase of, the, of a church plant say, I'll see you when you get into a spot. Because I don't wrap cords. I don't set up and tear down. I show up. That's my thing. I'll serve, but I, I don't set up. I show up and do my thing. It's great. It's awesome. Do you know what that means about you? That you looked at the Lord and said, I don't want to wait until we move into the mansion. I want you to think about this. Here's what's so beautiful. There are people who have said, I'll start coming to Embassy City once you guys move into your own spot. And you looked at the Lord and said, are you here? And he said, yes, I am. And you said, then so am I. Any field you 
partially plow is a field where you will only temporarily reside. You've got to finish the field. Plow whatever ground. If you're a volunteer, wherever you're serving, plow that ground until it's done. And here's what you'll see. Anytime you are faithful in another man or woman's field to serve them and what God's asked them to do, you'll be shocked at the field God gives you. Keep plowing until you're done because that's where you are right now. You're in the season of the plow. Here's the second thing. Purify yourself before you move ahead. Purify yourself before you move ahead. Joshua chapter three, the Israelites are about to go in across the Jordan River into the promised land. And Joshua in chapter, five, in chapter three, verse five, says something brilliant to the Israelites. Listen to what he says. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do great wonders among you. I don't know if you have young children. I've got a 13-year-old daughter and eight and nine-year-old boys. And if you've ever had young boys, you know they stink. (laughs) There's a reason people make jokes about junior high boys' locker rooms smelling because they reek to high heaven. And a couple weeks ago, we were going to uh, my wife's favorite restaurant for her birthday, and a very expensive restaurant, most expensive restaurant my kids have ever eaten at. And my wife was getting the boys ready to go to this nice restaurant. She said, okay, boys, here's where we're going. This is my favorite place. Everybody get dressed. And the boys come out in janky sweatpants and ratty t-shirts and stinky shoes, tennis shoes. My wife said, boys, did you take a shower? And my son looked at her like, why would I do that? (laughs) She said, guys, we're going to a nice restaurant. And my son was like, and? She said, guys, go shower up, get cleaned up, and get dressed up. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the nicer the restaurant, the deeper the cleaning before you go. You don't show up to an expensive restaurant looking ratty and dirty. Joshua says to the people, listen, we're about to go into the promised land, and before we cross this river, I'm asking one thing of you, purify yourself. Do you know why this is so brilliant of God to say to the Israelites, before you move into the promised land, you need to clean yourself up? Here's why it's so brilliant, because God did not want yesterday's filth to get in the way of tomorrow's fun ride. So I want you to think about something. When we think of the word purify, here's where we go in our minds, to the worst place of sin in our lives. I need to clean that up. I need to make that right before I go into the promised land. No, it's not just about addressing areas of sin. It's addressing any area of impurity. Here's something I learned early on when we started the church. Everybody has different motivations for going to a church plant. And you'll have people who come in the beginning and then they leave. And you've already experienced that. Every church has. And and here's what I learned personally. Some people come to a church plant, and here, here are two of the big motivations people start with a church. Here's their thought. This is the smallest the church will ever be and the best chance I'll have to be close to the senior pastor. 
okay? And here's the second thought. If I serve now, early on, this is my best chance to work at a church. Those are two big motivations some people have to start with the church plan. Let me ask you a question. Is that pure motivation or impure? Okay. When Joshua says purify yourself, he's not just talking about sin. He's talking about motivation. Do you know what the word manipulation means? Here's what it means. To do something specific to get a desired response. Okay? Manipulation means to do something specific in order to get a desired response. Here's what I would say before you move into this next season as a church. Ask yourself this question this week. What could get in the way of me stepping into this next season of my life where God wants to bless me in a way he never has before? What could get in the way? Maybe it is a sin. Maybe it's just a thought. You realize what Joshua was saying to the Israelites was, listen to me, guys, everybody, listen, before we cross into the promised land, there are some things we used to do in Egypt that aren't going to be allowed in Canaan. There are some things we used to think in Egypt that we're not going to be able to think anymore with God in Canaan. So we need to purify ourselves, which here's what that means. Purge it out. Purge it out. Sometimes we get so uptight about purging our sin out, our impurity out in church, that we'd rather keep it in than puke it out. Do you want, you want to know one of the reasons we do altar ministry? Because the church should be a great place to puke. There's not a better place in the world to puke than church. To purge it out. And here's what I sense God saying to you, not just for this church, He's bringing you into a new season, but before you even step into it, take a moment to shower off and leave behind the impurities of the past. Maybe it's even just in thoughts or acts. Purify yourself before you go ahead. Because if you don't, yesterday's filth is going to cause problems in tomorrow's field. So just clean it off, purify yourself before you go in. Here's the third thing, and the last thing I wanna share with you. Don't stop pursuing once you arrive. Don't stop pursuing once you arrive. Deuteronomy chapter eight, starting in verse seven, I think is a text that speaks very specifically to where Embassy City is as a church. Deuteronomy 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 7 says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, 
And when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God. Let me say it in a one-liner, what we just read, because I like one-liners. Never make the land you're getting more important to you than the Lord you've already got. I want you to listen for a moment. How do you know when you move into the promised land in any area of your life that you haven't forgotten the Lord? There's a simple answer. You still pursue him. Have you ever noticed the temptation that comes when you feel you've gotten anywhere with God? I want you to think about this. When you wait and you wait and then finally you step into something, a promised land of sorts, and you feel you've kind of arrived. Have you ever noticed the temptation that comes with getting somewhere? You begin to feel tempted to start going nowhere. Anytime I step into something new, I'm always tempted just to stay there. How do you know you haven't forgotten the Lord? You still pursue. Let's apply this to marriage. Have you ever noticed how much a man chases a woman when they're dating? And then he gets her to say, I do. And the big question of accountability is, does he chase her as much once he has her as he did when he felt he was trying to win her? See, when we get married, we think the day of the wedding, as men, I got her. No, no, no. You received her which means you have to keep pursuing her. When we step into that veritable promised land, there's a temptation to pull out the lawn chair, to kick back, and to spiritually retire. Spiritual retirement crushes the romance between you and the Holy Spirit. The word romance, years ago I felt the Lord give me a definition for the, ro- the word romance that I love. The art of unpredictable pursuit. Can you imagine if in any area of your life where you feel you step into the promised land, where you make a decision, I will not sit down and stop. I'm going to keep pursuing you, God, no matter where I find myself and no matter how much you give me. I'm going to keep pursuing you. As this church grows, the temptation is going to be to be okay with where it's gotten to. But here's what we all have to remember. Until everybody on the earth knows Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, this church isn't big enough. It's got to keep growing. But how do you know personally? How do you know personally that you haven't forgotten God? The answer is simple. You pursue him more today than you did then. You know, the fun part about getting married is when you're dating, you only get to chase. But when you get married, you get to catch. Here's the best part about living daily life with God.
We're not chasing him. We're walking with him. And listen, I think one of the most beautiful things that we could have done this morning is to enter in with everything that we have with no words on the screen. It was us saying, my pursuit of you, God, is not dependent upon circumstance. My pursuit of you, God, is dependent upon my commitment. Let me share one more thing with you and we'll be done. I think sometimes we, we have a tendency to only look at what's in front of us by what we know. And, and sometimes it's, it's helpful to have someone else come alongside and give us a different perspective of the very thing we're looking at. I want to tell you how awesome you are as a church because you don't know. And I don't mean that the wrong way. You don't know how awesome you are as a church. Your level of commitment is so far ahead of the national average for a church plan. So far ahead. Your sacrificial giving, so far ahead of the national average. Everything you do is well ahead of normal. And you don't even know how awesome what God is doing and what you're doing really is. But I want to help you see just how awesome you are. Months ago, God said to Pastor Tim, I want you to start Embassy City Church. And Tim looked around and said, but God, there's no home for us to start in. And so he looked around, looked all over the city, high and low, everywhere, and couldn't find a home. But he found a stable called Jackie Singley Academy. And while many people in this day and time will wait until the church moves into a mansion, a group of people said, I don't need that. I'll take the stable. I remember when we moved into our little rat hole of a building where God proved his point. I remember the day where he said, because I asked him, Lord, why are we growing so much in this building? And I remember the Lord saying, Son, if a manger, and he just sat there for a second. I said, Lord, we're in a rat hole. How are we growing in a rat hole? Son, if a manger was good enough for my son, this place you call a rat hole is good enough for me. And again, I want you to see Embassy City Church from God's perspective. While everyone else would have waited for the house, a bunch of people got together and said, let's meet in a stable. Let's meet in a stable where the projector doesn't work. Wouldn't that be awesome? If the only thing we could talk about is Jesus. Let's meet in a stable. I want to ask you a question. How do you think God will respond to a group of people who come together and say, let's go to the stable because that's where Jesus is. You won't always be in the stable, but I promise you this. 
you will always be with Jesus. He is with Embassy City Church, whether the screen works or not. The best piece of advice I can give you is grab a plow and just start plowing here. This is some of the best ground you're going to see in your lifetime. And I'm not saying that because he's my best friend. This is some of the best ground you will ever get to sow into in your lifetime. Don't just sow seed. Grab a plow and clear the field because there are more coming and we have to be ready to steward them. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I know with this many people in a room that all of us are in different seasons and we have different needs. Maybe you're in one of the most difficult seasons of plowing in your entire life. Maybe you feel like you're about to cross the Jordan and go into a new season, a promised land, a land God promised you many years ago, and you need, you need to purify before you possess the land. Maybe you're already there in many areas, and you realize that you've stopped pursuing as much as you used to. Maybe you just have some needs that have nothing to do with the message. We want to pray for you. 